Hey everyone, how's it going? CDY Blacko is once again back at Rhode Island Comic Con. This is our playground, guys. This is where we love to go for three days straight. We're on day two, and of course, I am joined by the one and only Stevie Oaks. Hey, what's going on, guys? Uh, Peter Griffin here. Rhode Island's own Peter Griffin. Not the real life Peter Griffin, but Rhode Island's own. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> now, we actually met uh, one year ago at this very same event. That's right. That's right. And you've had a very busy year. What have you been up to since we met? <sighs> Um, lots of uh, lots of self thought, lots of crazy ideas in my head. I'm, I live a boring life. I go home, I say hi to Lois, and uh, I tell Meg to shut up. It's 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 it. You know, it's been a it's been a whirlwind year. A lot of a uh, lot of big steps for me. Got to drop a puck at a hockey game. That's pretty freaking sweet. I saw that. Yeah. Right. What was yeah. that like, man? Dream come true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh. And there's more to happen in uh, Rhode Island Comic Con weekend for the Province Bruins in uh, February. Oh, really? So uh, check out the game. It'll be freaking sweet. Nice. And, uh, you know, just uh, got to meet some interesting people. Had a great conversation with uh, Michael Yarchak yesterday. Uh, Steve and uh, Jay over here are pretty freaking sweet guys as well. So, uh, you know, the past year has just been, uh, you know, just trying to improve myself and uh, obviously become more known and sure. open more opportunities. That's yeah. what I've been up to. Yeah. And uh, to that end, you've actually gone on TikTok, and you've got like 1 million followers now, I heard. Uh, 1.3, yes. That's amazing, actually. It's growing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one video can do a lot for you. Okay, what, uh, uh, what was the one video? Dashing through the snow in a one-horse open sleigh. Yeah, that, that one. Oh, cool. That one. You know which one I'm talking about, right? No, no, I don't, I don't think I saw so, that one. <laughs> I'm breaking character here for a second. Go for Sorry. it. Sorry. My wife... We were at Santa's Village, and I'm on blood thinners, so my wife is really afraid of me. It was snowing, it was slick out, so she's like, I'm afraid of you slipping, falling, and then there's an issue. So she's like, you're renting a mobility cart. Yep. So I'm on this cart, and all of a sudden I just start dashing through the snow, and my wife's like, I'm rolling. <laughs> you got it. 34.2 million views later. 34.2 million. Now my wife just walks around the house with a camera. Do something funny. I can't do it on the spot, Lois. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, so that really propelled me. Yeah, yeah. 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 So so what does, uh, what does, uh, what does like a 1.3 million TikTok, like, um, uh, views, like, look like in that, in that world? Not sure, really, to be honest with you. Yeah. Sorry, dead ear. Um, I know financially it brought me you know, some decent money, nice. but, uh, yeah, uh, about a, I think I made about a thousand dollars off that video, off that one video. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty freaking insane. As a matter of fact, my iPad is actually what I, <laughs> it's what I used with the money. I, I got myself an iPad so I could, uh, better edit my, my, yeah. my, uh, my videos and yeah, stuff like that. So. Exactly. Every, everything you make into the business. Pretty much. Yeah. Same thing with that. Like, um, money I'm getting this weekend, probably gonna go to pay that thing off. It's yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty freaking sweet. Nice. So come on down, buy some Stewies, buy some Brian's. It's gonna be a good freaking time. Yeah, definitely. Now, um, when we first met, like last year, you were like just like starting out, right? You you, you were like relatively new. Yeah, that was my first uh, first convention you got me at. Yeah. This is my third. Oh. Yeah. Um, what's the other one you've been to? Wicked Comic Con. Oh. Yes, in Boston. And you're uh, heading back. Don't know. Waiting, <laughs> waiting to find out. I, <laughs> I've reached out to the people at B, and uh, they were gonna let me know. We can Comic Con. Get this guy back. Come on, he's hilarious. Exactly. I'm freaking. I'm freaking awesome. Yeah. And this year, you've actually got the rest of your family with you too. Exactly. I got Lois and Meg with me. Hey. Hey. 
<laughs> and uh, it's going to be a freaking sweet time. I, uh, I don't think the people at Fan Expo Boston like me. And why not? Okay, so here's the reason why. All right. Um, I reached out to be a cosplay guest. Sure. And I'm okay if they would have just said simply no. We decided to pursue other people. But they told me that basically I, was, I wasn't anything more than a one-look cosplayer. And that they wanted somebody with more uh, cachet and more workshop skills. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm so much more than a one-trick yeah. pony. Yeah. They literally called me a one-trick pony. And I'm like... That's harsh. So then I wrote a letter back. And I don't think they like me. <laughs> well, that's okay. It means you get to I mean, I wasn't harsh. I wasn't an a-hole about it. Yeah. But I was like, listen, I'm more than a one-trick pony. If you want one of these OnlyFans cosplay girls to come and... <laughs> be at your show there you go yeah so but uh but any convention that wants to have me i'd be more than happy to i'm extremely loyal to uh rhode island comic-con yeah um and the powers that be so um they're my first they have a lot of faith in me they've helped propel me in a lot of ways that i am internally grateful for so uh guys come on down to rhode island comic-con every time every year this 10th anniversary year it's uh we got a lot of great guests this year and uh yeah it's a great time uh, which of the guests are you most looking forward to uh, meeting this weekend? Uh, Rachel McFarlane. I don't uh, think we need to wonder why on that one. No, nah, we'll, we'll just uh, yeah. we'll let that one slide. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I already have my photo op set with her. It's going to be oh, cool. the family. We're all going to be in the picture. It's going to be great. Yeah. And so, uh, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's, the, that's the big guest for me this year. Nice. All right. Uh, the next year, what, um, uh, what's your plan? Just continue to uh, ride the momentum. Yeah. And hopefully go up. Go up the ladder. There you go. Yep. All right. Well, Stevie, of course, uh, where do folks go to find out uh, more about you? Uh, TikTok.com. Yep. Um, StevieOaks401. Uh, StevieOaks401 on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. Excellent. Please follow my Twitter. I need followers. <laughs> we'll do that. All we'll right. do that. Awesome, guys. All right. All right, guys. Okay. Uh, Rolling Comic Con. Amazing time, of course. Stevie Oaks. Definitely follow his stuff. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Bring it to like 2 million. Make it 3 million. We'll make this happen. That's the right idea. Exactly. <laughs> Hey everyone, City by Blackout here at the Rhode Island Comic Con. There are so many wonderful vendors here, and I am talking to one right now, author MZ Medensi, uh, for her debut novel, The Atraxia Series. MZ, welcome to the show. It's very cool to be talking to you. Yay. <laughs> Good answer. Um, so, can we start by just like telling us a bit about the book? Um, so, the book is considered fantasy, with uh, sci-fi elements sprinkled in at the end. It, it follows a protagonist that is more unorthodox than most and the whole idea is that the reader grows as she grows and then the reader learns the land, the layout, and the lore as she learns it. That's a cool concept because like normally the characters just kind of like know everything. Yes. So how'd you write it to create this effect? So when I started writing it, the main character, her name is Sophia, you feel like she knows pretty much her world. And so you kind of get a very small info dump in the beginning about understanding her world. But it turns out that it's very different. And again, so once she realizes it's different, so is the reader realizing this. And so they're able to follow her trajectory 
as she goes with it. So when, when she goes nose diving into something new, so does the reader. Uh, tell us about uh, Sofia. So Sofia is from the town of Salinas, which is a town of entertainers. They are fire breathers, they are dancers, they are singers, they are craftsmen, they're, they're like the top of the tippity top of the line of what they do. And they, um, they, they get tourism because of that to their town. That's kind, of, that's kind of how the town makes their money is with tourism and by going out and, um, into other towns and performing. And so Sophia is specifically a dancer. And because their town, this is what they do, they're very tight-knit family kind of town. And Sophia, she does a lot of, she's also one of the most renowned dancers, but she hates going to the main city of Taichi because their King Cahil is kind of a tyrannous, evil person. And so she just wants nothing to do with it. So she tries to stay away from the town and the whole beginning of the story is her turning a blind eye to all the evil thing that's happening in their world just so she can stay happy. Aw, that's a pretty nice concept. Yeah. Oh my God, I like that. <laughs> and does she succeed in this quest of hers? No. <laughs> Didn't think so. No, no, she doesn't. She ends up having to do a performance in the city of Taichi. And that one performance is the catalyst to the the whole her whole known world falling onto its head. There is so much to unpack here. I yeah. love it. So let's start with Sophie as a dancer. Uh, do you have like a, um, um, a background dance? Do you have to like research for this? So I have been dancing all my life, and when it was came to writing about Sophia, the idea of how she is actually transformed into a completely different person I felt like the dance aspect because of her agility and like the muscle strength you have in dancing would actually work well to what later on transcribes in the book did you get the chance to explore any uh, new kinds of dance through this book I did look into some ballet when I was writing this, because there's a character in the novel who is, um, who does, it's known as a classic style of dance. So it is ballet. So I did look into uh, ballet when I was writing this. Now you mentioned having, uh, being dancing like all your life. Uh, what's your background on that? So I'm Latin. So I came out of the womb salsa dancing. Um, and then after, uh, later on in my life, I joined ballroom dancing. I would did competitive dancing sometimes there. And I also did color guard growing up. So that was dancing on the field while tossing a flag in the air. So I did that also. So what got you into writing? So I've been writing, again, this is uh, for a very long time. And not to get too in-depth why I did it, um, it was, uh, when we were younger, my sister and my brother and I used to create a world to escape in because things were kind of really rough. And when things got better in our lives, that world still existed. I didn't need to escape in it anymore, but I still had it. So the imagination, all the creativity was there. And so instead of escaping, I wrote about it. And my dreams are wild. And so they're very inspiring. And so I write from that. And it's a very freeing experience, but it's also, like I said, 
I can escape. I can go into a completely different world when I'm writing. So it's it's fun, it's nice, and I like doing it. <laughs> um, any hesitation when it came to actually publishing? Once you're done, no more edits. Yes. So, um, so the Attraction series, Island 8, is actually the first novel that I've been brave enough to publish. I've written so many short stories that were never published. I've written plays for groups at Rhode Island College. When I was there, we, we did a murder mystery dinner and I wrote the entire play for it. Um, and it's just hard, I feel, releasing a book because you have your heart in the sleeve. And if it wasn't for my publishers, which is Atmosphere Press, um, I wouldn't have had the confidence to move forward with it because I did have content editors, I did have, you know, contacts editors. Uh, copy editors and they all helped refine my story so I am confident with the story that I've pushed out. I'm curious how it changed during the editing process. Um, so the idea and the bones are all still there. Everything is pretty much still there but what it was, the biggest change I made was my editor said to me that if you have too many characters the reader's going to have a very hard time you know uh, you know, what is not, not isolating, but they are going to have a very relating to some of the characters. And he's like, you, you, while you do have strong characters, you need to get some of the aspects and some of the characteristics of these people and just mesh them into one. And so that's what I did. I lost a lot of characters, but for the better, because now my, my characters that I have in my story, I feel are so much stronger. All right. So what is next in the series? So next in the series without giving anything away. Okay, so let's just say Wyvern riding, uh, airships, Magitech. Can you tell us a little more? <laughs> well, I feel like I can't because the ending of the book, the last couple of, I think the last 50 pages is kind of a huge twist. And without spoiling any of that. I have to say that's all I can really say. Okay, I guess. I guess yeah. yeah. All right, then. I want to talk uh, um, about uh, world building because, uh, because of course, for a fantasy novel, huge amount of world building. Yes. What went into, what went into creating the world behind this book? So world building has to have been one of the hardest things I have endured in so long. And I gave birth naturally. So let me just say, there's things that are tough and then there's world building. <laughs> <laughs> it was so intense because everything has to have an origin. You've got to, and you've got to make it, it has to make sense. It has to, you can't just say, you know, the water jugs were floating. Well, why were they floating? You know, you have to figure out why is that functioning in that world. And then it has to, you know, it has to continue throughout the, the entire series. So you can't just throw one thing here and then the next book, suddenly it's not there anymore. So I have so many notes of how some particular, um, something started in the world and then I have to continue with it. So world building tough, <laughs> it's so tough. I've heard, I've heard it's really hard. All right, now is this your first time at a convention? Um, sitting behind as a vendor, yes. This is my first time. I just joined ARIA in August oh, wow. because my book was published in um, October. 
What is your elevator pitch? I'm curious to hear it. So that's um, a blurb. Actually, I had it. I had, hold on, give me a second. All right, go for it. To say an unorthodox fantasy novel that grows alongside the protagonist. I'll take eight. Good job. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. So last thing, I want to ask about the cover because this uh, cover is amazing. What went into building this one? So um, my publisher, Atmosphere Press, sent me about five ideas after we had um, a discussion of what my vision was and what their vision was. And then I got five ideas. And then from there, we selected one. And then we worked with that artist and we just refined it and refined it till the cover will say a lot about the book. But after you're done reading it, you'll completely get it. Nice. All right. <laughs> well, MZ, thank you so much for talking to me. It, um, it's been great learning about the book. But where do folks go to learn more about you and, mo and most importantly, buy the books? www.mzmedensi.com. That's M-E-D-E-N-C-I-Y. And will you be part of the upcoming Rhode Island Author Expo? Yes, I will be. Excellent. We'll see you there. Thank you. How's it going? Citywide Blackout here at Rhode Island Comic Con, our playground. We love this thing. We come by every year, Ben and I. And it wouldn't be a Comic Con without talking to Batman. Batman, how's it going, man? It's going. Yeah. Lots of justice going on here. We're all having fun. That's right. This is Mattress Malone. If you go to any New England Comic Con, you are going to find him there. You've been to everyone around here, but I'm curious yeah. as to how you got started doing this. Uh, actually, next May 5th will be my 30th year doing Batman. I'd be doing comic shows before they were cons, and I'd be the only one cosplaying. Cosplay wasn't even thought of then. I was just a weirdo in the bat suit. So you were like, you were like a pioneer for this kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Uh, a lot of people know me from doing Batman because I, you know, once I started doing it back 30 years ago, people keep on asking me to come back and made a lot of kids happy, and that that's what it's about. You put a smile on their face, you inspire them, and look at where here we are today. You know. Okay. I'm curious, is this, is this like this, uh, the same uh, bad suit from like when you got started? Uh, no, no, I started off with the Michael Keaton 89 suit, oh, nice. and um, I went with that, then I almost did Val Kilmer, but I didn't like the uh, the nipple part, you know what I'm saying? So I, I'm not surprised. Yeah, so I'm like, you know what, I'll just keep with the Keaton, and then Christian Bill came, and I did the Begin suit, and then, then I did the Dark Knight suit. And then um, I think it was Ben Affleck after that, which yeah. was great. I really loved his performance. Yeah. And this is it. This is so. Uh, who is your favorite actor to play the role? Um, well, I do love Keaton for being the first, but I do love Ben Affleck. Nice. So, nice. but for voice actors, it's got to be Kevin Conroy. 
Oh yeah, yeah. It's so it, it's he's, not even a question. Yeah, he he he's uh, my bad god. He before. Exactly. I'm not worthy. So yeah. And I've known Kevin for like 20 years. It's great. Oh really? I've been on a panel with him, and it's just it's just an honor to be noted as being a Batman. So 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 you've become really really like well known for the, uh, oh, this yeah, role. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I'm I actually work part time with WB from time to time. I got an event in Philadelphia on New Year's Eve sponsored by them so and it's just an honor so wow so yeah. so something you just kind of like did for like fun has now become like your career almost well it could be a career um but it's more of a thing that you know what i do a lot of hospital visits and i do a lot of charities and stuff like that and the thing with this is the greatest reward is to see a kid believe in himself because he thinks that I'm real so I can get him to believe in himself because he thinks I'm real but the most important thing is to be his hero of himself you know or herself excuse me how do you think doing that has changed you uh Batman has definitely made me into a better person um I've learned that with Batman he's taken his pain and you know that negative part of his life and turned it into a positive so I've learned to take the negative things in my life and turn it into a positive by putting on the suit, helping other people. You know, even on Facebook, I can write a post and somebody's going through something, and if I can inspire them, that's great. One person helped is a better world we live in. Um, has that has that always been your uh, philosophy? Um, pretty much because, you know what, I mean, if I'm going to play the character, I might as well hold true to what he is and what he represents. So, I mean, it's a symbol of justice, but, you know what, also a symbol of inspiration, so... You, uh, you have been to tons of Comic Cons over the years. Anyone that's your favorite? Um, well, Rhode Island, Terrific Con, Super Mega Fest. A lot of New England cons have heart. Um, I did a small show with Bing Comic Con uh, last weekend, and shows like that is where I usually start. So it kind of like brings me back to that home feeling when I first started. It's got like a lot of heart. You know, all these shows, you know. And the promoters, they know what the fans want, so they provide it. And they have heart themselves. So I'm, I'm very blessed by, you know, every event that I go to, every con that I go to, because, you know, they really put on a great show. Oh, I'll bet. Um, did you ever think it would go this far when you began just, like, dressing up as Batman for the conventions? Well, here's the thing. When I started, I did a birthday party for my nephew. I got four gigs that day to do Batman. And then it kept on getting more and more snowballing. I'd end up doing this doctors, and he's like, you know, you're so great with my kids. Come and visit the kids in the hospital. And I'm like, all right. And it went so well that day. The nurses are like, hey, we're doing a march of dime for the kids at the Hatch Shell in Boston. Batman want to join us? I'm like, yeah, sure. So every time I try to put the, the tights away, people pull me back, and they flash the signal. And I'm like, well, time to go to work. Exactly. Know? All right. How about uh, getting into the character of Batman? Well, you know what? Um, I can get into character, but basically I want my own personality to shine through. You know, when a kid hears, oh, Batman, they get really intimidated. But if you go on their level, hey, buddy, how are you? You know what I'm saying? I mean, Batman's basically just a big kid in a suit, too. So with all his big, expensive toys, you know. Which yeah. I wish I had. So. <laughs> don't we all? Yeah. Oh, so you uh, don't have the Batcave and the Batplane? Um, I, I did have a Batmobile. Unfortunately, got totaled on New Year's Day. Oh, no! 
Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like long, long story short, woman went on the yarn rip with cars coming down at her. She decided to stick it in reverse, and my car was so small, she just jammed right into it. And I'm like laying on the horn. There was no place for me to go. There's a car to my left, a barrier to my right. My buddy in back of me. I'm like, I'm not gonna smash anybody for this. I'll, sure. I'll, I'll take the hit. Yeah. So. So so. You were like a hero then, kind of, in that situation. Pretty much, yeah, except the Batmobile, you know, it's, it's you know, just like a... Oh, no. Yeah, so... Okay. Um, how does it feel to be, like, recognized when you go to the different Comic-Cons? Um, it's always an honor. It really is. I have people coming up to me left and right. Even when I'm on the street and I'm doing photo shoots and stuff like that, people come up to me and they say, hey, are you Matches Malone? Or, hey, can my kid get a photo? I'm like, absolutely, you know? And I talk to the kid and it's like, you know... And sometimes, you know, oh, you know, little Johnny likes to do the Batman voice, and the kid gets really nervous about doing it. And when he does it, he's like, oh, Batman. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, you scared me. Holy smokes. And the kid gets all excited because he scared Batman. He's like, that's a great voice. And you want to give something positive for them. You always, and that's, it, you know, when people recognize me, that's a huge honor. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Do you think you'll ever stop? Um, actually, I've been talking about retiring after my 30th year, but it's like, People keep on telling me, no, you're not going to do this. And I'm like, listen, it's been a bad habit for a long time. <laughs> Get it? Oh, bad habit? I see yeah, there. yeah I the see bad it. puns, you know. So, And I have lots of puns because I'm I've been doing it so long. Sure so, yeah, so I people are like, I tell people, hey, Merry Christmas. They're like, dude, it's Halloween. I'm like, I'm sorry, I got a bad memory. So, it's just, but you gotta have a sense of humor with it, and you can't be afraid to make fun of yourself. And it's just like you know, people, like my buddies, we're watching football and stuff like that, and uh, like, oh, look at this goof with the uh, no shirt and they're painted. Like guys, guys, you forget, I, I, I dressed up as Batman. They're like, oh, but you're Batman. I said that doesn't make a difference. You know what I'm saying there's no judgment here, you know. So. Okay, I gotta ask about the bat suit. Yeah. What went into making this? Well, this was um, done by Tiger Stone Effects. Yep. Uh, the gloves are like military grade. Uh, the belt was done by um, Jose Sanchez. And uh, really, you know, these guys are very, very talented. Very talented. And uh, some of them know me and they give me discounts. They don't have to, but it's just, like, oh, your match is Malone. You wanna buy my stuff? I'm like, I'm like, listen, you know what? I'm, I'm just a regular guy. They're like, no, 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 you're like a legend. I'm yeah. like, what, because I've been doing it 30 years? I'm like, you kind of are, yeah. well, you know what? I think I'm a regular cosplayer, but people say, no, you're Batman. And I'm like, you know what, thank you, but you know what, I'm just a cosplayer. So I think it kind of speaks to the um, uh, community that you have this kind of presence and people like recognize you wherever you go. Well, they're, they're, they're all beautiful, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Everyone that I interact with, I mean... It's just like, I'm really blessed by the friendships of everybody. And they all inspire me one way or another. And it's just like, it's all a team effort. Like when people say, oh, you go and do these hospital visits. I said, listen, the nurses and the doctors and the parents, they set that up. So they deserve as much credit as me. The photographers who take photos of me in the city that make me look like Batman perched up wherever, they're the real heroes. All these people have an interaction with me to help me, you know, spread my message or inspiration or whatever. They're heroes. You know what I'm saying? Because it's a team effort. So I can't claim it just because I'm a guy in a suit. It's always a team effort with me. So. Oh, definitely, definitely. So um, who's on your team? Who's on my team? Yeah, yeah. Um, I believe everybody that I'm friends with on Facebook, everybody who supports me. And uh, I'm, you know, I'm never, like, you know, too ashamed to say thank you. You know what I'm saying? Because you know what? You got to remember where you started from. I was the weirdo and stuff like that. Even with my family, my family's looks like, you know, if you want a girlfriend, and I'm like, 
listen, I had girlfriends, all right? I mean, I went on a date. I was talking to this girl for a month, long story short. Um, for a month, she goes, I want somebody normal. I'm like, huh. And she's like, tell me about these events. You never tell me about these events. And, you know, you got to show me these pictures because you get pictures with celebrities. And I'm like, okay. So I told her. And she's like, yeah, that's a little too much. She goes, you seem normal for a month. But now it's just like, I'm like, but it is what it is, you know. I would say it would actually be pretty good because, like I said, you're out there, you're spreading the message. Well, that's just it, you know what I'm saying? But, you know, it's, you know, some people get jealous or insecure. And I'm like, there's no insecurity when I'm doing this, you know what I'm saying? Because it's just, you know, I mean, I'm far from perfect. I'm not the best Batman out there, but I'm just me. And all I care about is if I can inspire somebody to lead them, help them lead a better life, then I'm going to do it. Any uh, singular memories of some of the fans you've met over the years? With the friends? Well, I mean, um, I just told you about, like, signing with the little boy and stuff like that. And he was so excited that he hugged his dad. That was really great. Very touching moment. Because, you know, these kids, you can come across any child who are disabled one way or another, you know, and you not know it. But when you sign with them in the community, they feel normal. They feel like, oh, my goodness, Batman just spoke to me in my language. So he's understood. But um, there's also... um, this kid Brian I'm supposed to be on his podcast who's blind and when I first met him back in 2010 his dad's like can my son feel your face and I'm like what and I look and I said oh okay so he's and I'm wearing the Dark Knight suit you know the Christian Bale suit so he's feeling my face he's like dad it's Batman I'm like you're great he goes dad it's Christian Bale I'm like stay calm so oh it was God. great and it's like we became friends after that so that it's great so amazing so yeah now he has his own podcast and he interviews a lot of good people uh he wants to be on the show but i'm like i'm busy during the week so sure so yeah. but he's a great guy his uh kids a great kid stuff like that just you know what when you meet families you become families and with all the charities i have people in their families they follow me on instagram they become friends with me and Sometimes if their kid's going through something, I'll send them a pep talk video like, hey, stay strong, buddy. I know you got this. You're just having a bad moment. So let the storm pass and carry forward. Exactly. How many charities would you say you work with? Well, actually, geez, that's... uh, I know Operation Comics Relief, which we raise money to send troops comic books overseas. They're usually here, but unfortunately, COVID, like, knocked it down. So we're going to try to start back up next year. But I've done Make-A-Wishes, Autism Awareness, uh, Cancer Research, March of Dimes, um, Breast Cancer Stuff, uh, and, you know, visit the kids in the hospitals and stuff like that constantly. I also started this thing, and it's not official yet, but I've been doing it. hospice heroes i go in go in the homes and i visit the kids who are just you know they're on their way out unfortunately but you know what i tell them listen you're a hero and you can rest anytime you want so and i tell them how proud i am of them and you know it's very hard but you know what it's so i don't think i could do that honestly just especially given their situation i i I usually go home and ball my eyes out so i'm saying i mean sometimes i'll do uh video skyping and stuff like that so and um but the main thing is you, you want the child to have a positive memory, a positive yeah. interaction with Batman. So, Have you ever thought about, like, hanging up the suit, like, over the years? Um, what, just hanging up like a retiree? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, I, I, you know, I keep on mentioning it because I've been doing this for, like, really 30 years. And um, I'd like to find somebody to carry on the mantle, like, you know, Bruce Wayne with Dick Grayson oh, and everybody yeah. else. And, but it's like... 
they gotta have the heart. And I, there's this one guy out in New York, Al Vizquez, and he's got heart, but he's out in New York. And I'm like, yeah, I wish yeah. you were out here. You know what I'm saying? He's a phenomenal Batman. Actually, I'm friends with like a lot of phenomenal Batman. Sure. You know what I'm saying? I can't pick a favorite cosplayer who dresses up as Batman because they're all amazing. Yeah. So. So if anyone was was kind of like interested in taking over Matches Malone mantle, they have to make that time commitment too. Well, I don't know if they have to do it with Matches Malone, but they can make up, you know, thing. But the thing with Matches Malone. That character came from Boston. Oh, that's right. And yeah. when I spoke with Danny O'Neill, um, I told him I was Matches Malone. He's like, no, you're not. I showed him my Facebook, and I showed him everything I was about, and I was talking to him. He's like, oh, my God, you really are Matches Malone. So, <laughs> and then when I, because I was a guest, I'm on the same bus he is. He's going back to the city. I'm going to the hotel. He puts his hand on my shoulder and says, nice meeting you, Matches. Keep up the great work. I got his blessing, so oh, man. so that was like a huge honor. So what is planned for this coming year? I'm just taking it day by day, step by step, and it's just like if the bat signal lights up, I'll probably be there, you know? Well, Matches, uh, it's been really great meeting you. It's a real honor. And uh, where do you folks go to, like, find out more about you? Um, you can find me on um, Instagram because I just got it started. Yep. Um, the Real Matches Balone. Yes. And uh, I haven't put anything up there yet because my other one got hacked. But uh, then, uh, but Facebook matches Malone. Uh, I think it's matches Malone four seven at gmail.com. And um, and if I, if the settings are messed up, just send me a message and I'll send you a friend request back. Excellent. Well, matches. Thanks again. Thank you. It's quite an honor. Thank you, Max. Hey everyone, how's it going? CDY Blackout is at the Rhode Island Comic Con to continue our series of interviews for the upcoming Rhode Island Author Expo. And talk to me now, this is an old, old uh, uh, friend of the show who's been on uh, a few times now. Author Deborah Snelly joins me. Welcome back, Deborah. It's great to have you here. It's great to be here. I really appreciate the interview. Of course, of course. Now, we last spoke, I think, two or three years ago. So it's been a while, and you certainly have been very, have been, uh, very busy. I know you have a new book out called uh, Dark Night, A Dark Night of the Soul. And uh, that's, uh, can you tell us a little bit about that? That is the original book, and the final one is here, but the original one is the one that seems to be the one closest to my heart. I wrote that when I was recovering from surgery, and I could not. I had brain tumor, and I was not allowed to have my child with me for the days. I had to have someone else with me, so I sat there and I thought long and hard about how you would feel about life and death and the situations you come, and that's why it's Dark Night of the Soul. And this is a very deep story because this is all about uh, vampires, as, as the name implies, but it's not your typical vampires. Your, uh, your characters have a, have a lot of depth. You have uh, Gregor, who is a centuries-old vampire who has been the victim of abuse from his parents. Um, I'd like to know a little more about him and how the abuse kind of like shapes him as a character. His childhood experience was the abuse was from his parents and the, his mother ignoring the fact that this was happening left him tremendously scarred. He does not feel there is such a thing as love. And he didn't see any, he didn't experience any, and you can't give what you're not given. So, and he was a crying child, so in, because there wasn't any love in the world, in his world, he assumed that he was the weak one and he hates the weak one. You, he hates what he sees of himself. 
and that is why he victimizes and goes after who he believes is weak. But it's also why, in Marcus's case, why he takes someone who's strong, because he has to prove he wasn't weaker than, there's no one stronger than he was, right? If he succumbed, everyone would succumb, but Marcus doesn't. Marcus is stronger. And that is the epic battle between these two people. Uh, so I want to go back a bit to um, Gregor's parents. Do they know that he, uh, um, uh, he was a vampire? No, actually, that came out a little later. You don't really get into that in, in the books, unfortunately. I know it seems to interest you, and I, I like that. But what you get is how he is, and they didn't know in My Vampires are particularly interesting because, in my opinion, it's not supernatural. This is a natural condition. I did meticulous research that everything they can do can be done by something somewhere in this world. And I made it, put it together to say, this is what happened, this is what will happen, or could happen. And I developed my characters around that. Okay, I want to ask about the research, because like, if vampires were real, basically, it was probably like the search uh, uh, keys there. What did you find? Well, I found the most interesting creature. We know there are vampire bats. We know there are stories about vampires everywhere in the world. Did you know there are such a thing called the Kleptera, which is a vampire moth? No, and I'm terrified now. Yeah, well, they, they'll attack elephants. They live in northern Europe, and they leave little holes in your body because they're pretty small. So you can see this would be assimilated. Now, on the other hand, they also, like so many other creatures, may excrete something. Research ends kind of on them. They're moths. They don't like the sunlight. So it, it continued on. I did a lot of research on that. By, by the way, they're really ugly. <laughs> really ugly. I looked at a picture and said, oh, God, if I saw that in the woods, I'd be running. Yeah, that sounds terrifying. Yeah, it is. But, and so you take that out and you see, okay, you can see a myth growing from this. And, of course, seeing as how it's fiction, I extrapolated, what if that animal had the effect on the person it bit? So I did this. Yeah, it's almost like a vampire bug. We know they're real, so... No. Vampire no. Vampire bugs are those animals that bite into a host and take over their life. Don't tell me these things. I don't want to know these things. I can't sleep now. <laughs> See what happens when you're retired and you get to do all this research. <laughs> I can't wait to retire. Fantastic. <laughs> but I'm curious as to how much like research had to go into this before you said, okay, we're ready to roll. Well, I started writing the book from the recovery, and that was years ago. And then when I retired, I just started researching this. Let's look in biology. Let's look at this. Let's look at this. And I just wrote it up. I have notebooks and notebooks at home. And of course, again, it's fiction. I took what I wanted to carry the story along. Alright. Um, how does Gregor sort of, how is Gregor like, I guess, like shaped by the abuse? How does this like change his character? We don't know what he would have been, but we do know, and I, I think I mentioned it before, that with a child, if you don't show them how to love, if you don't show them how to have any empathy, they develop differently, they don't care who they hurt. And that's the way Gregor is. The one he wants to hurt the most is himself for being weak. This is what turned, he should have been strong enough to stop his father. How many times have you heard someone who was abused saying, why couldn't I stop it? So you see this going on with Gregor and you see him hating women more than men, but he's an equal opportunity abuser because, but mainly because his mother should have stopped it. That is the one you expect to get love from. If you don't get love from your mother, why would you believe there is such a thing as love? 
Now, getting into that kind of mindset, did you speak to people who had been, on, I'm, I'm sorry to say this, but victims of abuse or, or like read up about it? Yes. I um, talked to some people I knew who worked in the facilities. And then, of course, I, an extensive reader when I'm not writing, I read two books a week. So I did that for the research. I mean, I f you find some interesting things out that way. I put my book in... Um, I guess you would say supernatural, but there's really nothing supernatural going on. Because when you read about abuse in the real world, and I hear what a child went through, I can barely handle it. But if you put it into this kind of a situation, it's not real. You can read through what they go through without the horror of knowing someone's experiencing it. Were there any particular scenes or parts of the book that you had a hard time writing because of this topic? Yeah, um, a couple of the mur well. One of the murder scenes is a mother, and when she's begging that he doesn't do this because she loves her ch children, that was hard. It took a few pages, a few throw them away, a few retypes, but yeah, that one hurt. Um, I know we're not talking about the last book, but the very last book, there's a discussion that Marcus is having, and that was the hardest thing I ever wrote because it's the kind of conversation I would have liked to have had with my father. Then let's talk about the books that came, that came after this. Um, how many, uh, how many are, are in the series? There's five in the series. Yeah, it's done now, though. Wow. Well, when you get a character you love, you don't want him to end. But um, I did the prequel because I had some people at an author um, sign and greet ask me, how did I make him the character? So with this is like, how did your mother teach you not to steal? How did your mother teach you not to lie? So it goes back and forth. When something's happening to him, he's remembering what he was taught. That's Marcus. So that's the early years. After that, it was, as you said, the psychological drama. Well, now there's where there was darkness. He's coming out of it. But if that's what you've known for 33 years, stepping into the light is not the easiest thing, and you need help. So that's the next one. Then 33 years hunting. It's his best skill. He has been changed physically by what he's gone through. So he works with the FBI to hunt. Basically, at least it's not Gregory's hunting anymore, but he's hunting. I worked with the FBI to get procedure correct. Really? They are very wonderful. Oh, they wow. will work with you if you call. And the per agent, Benjamin, anyway, I have his name written down somewhere. He told me call anytime, but he would much rather I have him do it right than to arrest people willy-nilly like the FBI never would. So <laughs> that's another part of the fun of research. I have met the most fantastic people. Even though it was on the phone, he was still a fantastic yeah. person. Okay. So let's talk about this being a five-book series. Was that always the plan to do a whole series, or was it more like, okay, we're just doing one and that's it? It was supposed to be one. Marcus was supposed to be it. I, I was going back to work. I got healthy again. And I thought, oh, I put it away. I got a job. Then my husband's job moved. I came to Rhode Island, which is where I'm originally from. And I was starting to teach in the school. I worked with um, special needs children's first and second grade. Then I retired. And, oh, let's find the book again. Right, let's yeah. see if I can finish it. <laughs> a friend of mine told me, when you write a character you love, if he's not over, he's not over. So I continued him until, well, He's over now. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Are you sure about that? I mean, you're saying it, but you never know. You never know. But I, I mean, unless I were to do something more on Gregor, I think this series is over. Your interest in him has piqued my interest. So you mentioned about how the prequel uh, uh, um, came about through a fan kind of asking about it. 
that's cool that like a fan's interest just spawned an entirely new story. Absolutely. I mean, in my, the back of my mind, in order to write the character in the original book, I had ideas about how we got it. But to have them want to hear my ideas about it was very exciting for me. Okay. All right. I want to dive a little more, not too much because it's actually scaring me really badly, but about the biological possibility of vampires in this world. How does that change Gregor? I mean, like, does he have all like the abilities that we see in like the comics and the movies? No, uh, my my vampires, as I said, they don't they don't drink blood like calipteras do. They don't disappear. They don't fly. They're natural in an unnatural manner, like a calipteria, which could not eat regular food. They can drink only blood. But you can't suck blood out of the neck from two little fangs. Doesn't work. No. Wait, wait, wait. Are you I'm telling me? Are you telling me? that the movies are not scientifically accurate. <laughs> no, they're not scientific. They're fun, and I love them, but they're not scientifically accurate. Oh and I also found out that, no, if they're dead, you're not sucking blood out no matter what you do. It pulls in the ankles, and you'd have to chew it. Did I make you happy now? No. None of this is going to be happy in the slightest. I'm sad now. No, I'm loving this. I'm loving this. Um, so, but... But Gregor does have the long, uh, the long lifespan. And again, that's another thing I took from nature. These many animals regenerate. I mean, as I put, Marcus says to uh, the other woman in the book there that it's not so much that they can't be killed. It's just that they heal so quickly. Which is why I think in all the movies and everything else, we use a little bit of the same thing. Is if you want them to kill, you're not putting the stake in his heart. How many movies have you seen when they pull it back out? You have to hold it there. Ah. You can't let them regenerate or pull it out. They're going to grow whatever new organ they need to do. So, And it is physically something that happens in nature all over the place. We're just not fortunate enough to have that ability. Now, I want to talk a little more about Marcus. So he um, is Gregor's son, as you mentioned. Um, what's it like growing up with Gregor as your dad? Well, he was originally with his parents, and he was taken when he was 15, right before his birthday, it's, um, there's an awful lot of hate and an awful, but they still were together a long time. And what he saw is what the book is called, Dark Night of the Soul. What he saw is that you can survive this because, yes, there is love. My parents love me, and I know it. And that's how we can survive. But you do have that. It's hard for him not to believe he's a monster. This is what I lived with for all these years. This is all I know. Gregor taught me that it's easy to kill. So that's why when he continues on in Dark Night of the Soul, he doesn't really come out of his darkness until he sees other people and they see him. They see that inner struggle between being what he was told he was and being what he wants to be. And I think that's a struggle that most of us experience sometime in our life. Gotcha. Um, do, uh, as, uh, as the series goes on, do we see like more of Marcus? Or like, like, like what role does he have in the overall story? Well, I mean, he's not there in all the overall stories, but he's always there. There's a, an anima, as you would call it. Like a little piece of him will always be with Marcus. And as I said, the conversation at the end of the last book that I had so much trouble with writing was Marcus and Gregor trying to reconcile, and I hope, I pray I did a good job on that one, because that paragraph means an awful lot to me. Have you got response from that book? It's not out that long, so I haven't heard too much. The reviews are good, and the one review that's on the book 
loved it. My sister said, holy shit, I want to read the rest of the book. That's a, good, that's a great review. I sent her that a few chapters, and that's what she said. Well, I didn't think they should have it on the cover yeah. of the book. But. <laughs> but that's what her words were. I like that. All right. So we have the expo coming up. And, of course, you've been a uh, um, part of this group for a number of years. Yes. What's your, like, elevator pitch when it comes to talking about your books? Um, pretty much what I was telling you. I start off with what he was 15 and how he grows. And people tend to be, what I've seen, is they're really interested, even if it's not supernatural, in the characters of the people. And, I mean, I put a lot of my soul into these characters. And I think, I'm hoping, that when you read the book, you'll see a piece of you in every character. One of my characters has a little bit of my brother in there, that sense of humor I grew up with. And I, I tried to pull all that in to make these people real. How does it feel to have this series done? I'm at a loss. I love it. I'm writing. I'm still writing. I have still ideas. But, Noah, honestly, I do miss Marcus. I had kind of a love thing going with this character. But, I, again, if I don't like the character and I don't feel any love for him, why would anybody else? So what's next for you? What's ne I'm working on the final of my Sister World trilogy. I am writing the ending right now. That's a science fiction. And um, that one I decidedly wrote for young adults because um, sometimes I feel teenagers are not realized at how valuable they are, how innovative, and how, if they're treated right, they can be trusted. Exactly. So that's what those books are about, and I'm ending it. So, And then I have a few ideas in the back of my mind, but I can't say them now because they're really just gotcha. ideas. All right. Um, let's talk a little more about A Sister World, because I think when we spoke last, you were still on the first book. Yes, I was. How has the series gone on since that book ended? Well, it's so far really good. I mean, as we said, with Sister World, it's an alternative universe. I worked with a physicist. I got the physics as close to what can actually happen as possible. The second one moved on from the fact that, okay, they know we're here. How do we stop it? I worked with them, a whole bunch of people to get interesting things going on on communications and the fight for earth i find quite a fun book and again it's a it's a quiet battle we're not i mean if they look like us and they talk like us who would you shoot at which president is real so it has to be undercover and under wraps so and when that one ending we know here's the plug the third one well they came here we're going there we're going to cook some kick some alien butt I like that. We're going to return the favor. Why the more realistic approach in your books? I know it's fiction, but I know when I'm reading a book, if I know something is completely not true, it takes a lot away from the book. I don't mind it being somewhat not true, but it, I mean, if you were to tell me that a boat went floating across the water and it flew into the sky, and it's not Harry Potter, I would not find it as good. This is science fiction, not fantasy. And I tried to keep it that way. Well, Deborah, great talking to you as always. But where do folks go to learn more about you and check out the books? Well, I'll be at the Author Expo this coming December on the 4th. And I'm online everywhere you can find me. And I have put my author email if you need to reach me. I would try to reach out. Excellent. Deborah, thanks again. Thank you very much.